0: What we need to do is get the fact. The fact is the truth, and the truth is the Word of God. You live by the truth of the fact, you combine that with faith, okay? So you're in a dark time, you're struggling, your faith is faltering, you need the truth of God's Word. Fact combined with faith then leads to right feeling. This is this is the train we are to live in. Don't be led by your feelings, let the truth combine with your faith then inform your feelings of, of how you are to live and how you are to feel.
1: Hi, listeners, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. And you've joined us in the middle of a series entitled The Life of David. We're looking at this heroic, amazing, and even flawed character, within the Old Testament. And I think it's that flaw that we're going into and talking about today, right, Robbie? That's right. Yeah, we're seeing one of the harder, darker times of David's life, and he had several,
0: actually. And so we relate, we resonate with that. It applies to our lives because, let's be honest, life is so often quite difficult, but that's why we need the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Craig, it was just recently I had a chance to meet um, a lot of our listeners that live in the light and just want to extend how encouraging that was just to see people in real time and to see their faces and to hear the stories of how God is at work and just to remind you, loved ones, our listeners out there, that we are here by faith in this ministry. We are trusting the Lord to provide what is needed to continue to be a source of encouragement through God's truth. We do not take that for granted and we simply want to do what God wants us to do and so if we're going to keep doing this then he has to work through us he has to work through you and so we just love to appeal to you for encouragement love to appeal for you for your support of this ministry particularly if god has been blessing you in a unique way over these last several weeks or months whatever it might be and so thank you for tuning in and for loving your god and his word and again, take some time to reach out to us. Maybe, Craig, you can just help the listeners again of how they might do that best.
1: Yeah, the best ways are through our website at liveinthelight.ca, that's L-I-G-H-T, or even through our phone lines at one 844 Too, too Light. Again, as Pastor Robbie said, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe drop a note of encouragement to us, or maybe even let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Well, as Robbie said, it's a dark season for David today, but um, I pray and we pray that it's an encouraging time for you as you would hear of this very flawed character seeking forgiveness in the Lord. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapters 20 through 22 and join up with Pastor Robbie with today's message, The Decline of David.
0: Now, verse 10, look at verse 10 of chapter 21. It says this, and David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, if we know the context and if we know the Bible a little bit around this area of God's word, when we say Gath, there might be a, a gasp. Oh, oh, you want to try that? And David went to Gath. Okay, you say, well, why? Somebody like, why are we gasping right now? I'm in church. I don't understand why we're happy Mother's Day. All right, anyways, so we're it's Gath, but here's here's what we understand. Okay, if there was ever a move of desperation, this was it. David, David goes to where's where's Gath again? It's in the it's in the nation of. The Philistines, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And um, wait a second, there's someone else that was from Gath. Um, who oh, yeah, right, Goliath was from Gath. yeah, yeah. and so I, i'm pretty I'm pretty sure David uh, killed the giant Goliath, who was from Gath. And so David has now, in his desperation, he is attempting to go into enemy territory, and I think he's trying to be incognito and somehow not to be seen. And he's trying to kind of blend in with the Philistines. But as we're going to find out, uh, this plan will not really work well. Look at verse 11. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Uh, did they not sing to one another of him? And so notice his fame now is spreading across borders. Um, sing of him in dances. Saul struck down his thousands, David his 10,000s. Look at verse 12. Here's a turning point. David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So what did he do? He changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? And in a point of humor in verse 15, the king says, do I lack madmen? I got a bunch of crazy men in my house. He's like, I don't need him with me. Get him away. He says, get him away from me. I don't need one more crazy man before me. So this is not lost on the Philistines at all, just exactly who is in their presence right now. Now, let me ask you, when you see David pretending now to be insane, is this the same David who stood before Goliath and said, you come to me with a spirit and a sword, I come to you in the name of the Lord? Seems to be a very, very different individual. Trusting in vastly different sources right now. Faith in God and now faith in something other than God, it seems. But see, this is the danger when our faith falters because now it can create a fear that festers. And when fear sets in, loved ones, it often will make us do crazy things. I want you to notice that the servants of Achish, they're referring to David as the king of the land. They seem to understand the anointing oil right now better than David does. They're the ones predicting that and believing he's going to be the king. But David himself, because of his faith faltering and his fear festering, he has lost sight of this. Now notice the connection in verse 12. Verse 12 is very important to me. I'll be important to you. And David took these words to heart and he was much afraid. Notice, heard the words, reached his heart, and then filled with fear. I want to, I want to show this on the screen here. I want you to see this. this is very, very important. If we try to live our lives here, and this is a bit of biblical counseling for us to understand that presents itself in verse 12, which I'm very thankful for. So when we live life in this way and we hear false words, when we receive condemnation from the enemy, when we hear things that just are flat out lies, this is Satan's greatest tactic in our lives. Um, just to tell us Lies and we start looking at the world and receiving messages that are not true, when we hear false words and we start to believe them, and that combined with a failing heart, false words causes our heart to fail. When our heart fails, then we're filled with fear. This is, will be the result. And many, many people live in this way. Many, many, many believers. Many of us came in today and we have been believing false words. Our heart has failed and then we're filled with fear. This is what's gonna happen. It's right in verse 12. Heard the words, went to his heart and then he was much afraid. You gotta watch that, you gotta be so careful of what we receive in our minds will ultimately determine how we feel and how we behave. What messages are we filling our lives with? So this is the wrong way, big X is through this, here's the right way, which we've taught many times in our church, okay, and this is so great. What we need to do is get the fact, the fact is the truth and the truth is the word of God. You live by the truth of the fact, you combine that with faith, Okay? So you're in a dark time, you're struggling, your faith is faltering. You need the truth of God's word. Fact combined with faith then leads to right feeling. This is, this is the train we are to live in. Don't be led by your feelings. Let the truth combine with your faith then inform your feelings of, of how you are to live and how you are to feel. So for example, yesterday morning, uh, I wake up and I'm in Hebrews chapter 12. It's where my Bible reading plan has me. I've read this passage probably a thousand times. I'm in Hebrews chapter 12 and I get to the part where it says, "Where it says, uh, let us run this race with endurance.'" Now, recently I've, I've been so encouraged. I just a phrase in the last couple of months for my life has kind of been like, "Look up, hang on." Probably going to be a sermon series at some point. I just I like it. A little preview for you right now: "Look up, hang on." It's kind of the Christian life. So I'm in this text right here: "Let us run the race with endurance." And I'm like, wow, it's kind of hang on right there. Run the race, Maryland, hang on. And the very next uh, part of that verse is looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's look up. And so I'm like, wow! Hang on, look up, look up, hang on. It's in the Bible. Woo! It's in the Bible. Of course it is, because it's so biblical. But I'm there, and I'm getting the truth. It says here, and and consider him who endured such hostility, and it says Jesus Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, for the joy that was set before him is now seated at the right hand of God. So I'm sitting there uh, by myself, reading God's word, and the fact begins to renew my mind. Uh, run this race with endurance. Look to Jesus, it's gonna to be tough, but Jesus has gone before you for his joy. Faith combines with faith and the faith starts to uh, run down through my life and fact and faith and all of a sudden sitting at my kitchen counter with Hebrews 12 open and I'm like, yeah, endure because of Christ. And it literally changes how I feel. Now I have the opportunity to stand here right now and just say it with such conviction because when you live it, but this, this is how it works. This is why God's word is everything, because God's word is that which we put our faith in, which we then understand how to live and how to even how to feel. If we're up here all the time, if all we are is watching TV, if all we are is on our smartphones and useless messages, all we are of internet's, all we are listening to friends who have no concept of the Lord, or any, if all we are is getting bombarded with just things of the world. In the end, it's going to do this. In the end, you're just going to be living a life of fear—fear fear of man, fear of whatever, fear of future. It won't be the fear of the Lord. So we're like, well, it, it's so simple, but it's so, it's so important. And we notice David here, he fell victim to this. He, his heart began to falter. His life started to fester with fear. And I want you to see this too, okay? The connection, um, how we think determines how we behave. So in verse 13, look at verse 13. It says, he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. Okay, so for a man after God's own heart, I think that's insane. It's insane that he's pretending to be insane. His fear, in a sense, is driving him mad as he pretends to be mad. So let's put one more F into this equation. Fear, inevitably, will lead to foolishness. If we're living our lives with fear... We're not following the Lord. And so we will start to become foolish. Now, in chapter 21, the part that we haven't read, but when um, David was with Ahimelech, he's like, you got some bread? He's like, yes. Do you have a sword? David asked Ahimelech. And and, and Ahimelech's like, we got hardly anything, but we do have one sword. It's Goliath's sword. And David's like, that's good. I'll take that one. That's a good sword. So David, remember how big that sword was? Massive. He puts it on his belt. And now he's walking into Gath, the home of the Philistines, the home of Goliath, and he's got Goliath's sword on his belt, and somehow he thinks that people are not going to pick up on the fact that there's this sword on his belt that they probably will recognize because there's not many guys that big, and it just—it's just a little bit insight into the text right he David just wasn't thinking clearly. He—he he just wasn't of clear vision at this time, and because his fear was leading to foolishness. I wonder if there was really ever a lower point for David than as he was scratching on the doors of the gate and essentially pretending to foam at the mouth. You know, for this culture, for a man to have saliva down his beard was an intolerable insult and dishonor, like the lowest of the low. And this is the anointed king of Israel. And this is where he is and the King Achish, he says, get him away from me. Again, I have enough mad men. So what do we learn from David here? Well, a couple of the things we learn. Let us, let us, let us be so wise. David was was doing so well, and then in the midst of the pressure, again, I have so much grace for I said that I have so much grace for him. But notice all of us are only a few steps away from becoming crazy ourselves. Because in our fear, we just do so many foolish things. And so it sobers us to say, I have to keep my eyes on the Lord. Here's the impact of when our fear begins to fester. I have a few things I've written down here I want you to see. Uh, First of all, um, our vision is vacant. So for David, because his fear is off the Lord and his fear is on man, all of a sudden he cannot see anymore. His vision departs from him. He doesn't know where he's really supposed to go, what he's supposed to do. Secondly, this, um, our wisdom is wanting when fear fills our lives and starts to really grow and be faster, because we can't see, well, then if you can't see, how do you get to where you're supposed to go? So then you lack wisdom. Our wisdom is wanting. And then thirdly, our behavior is, is bizarre, right? So if we can't see and we have no wisdom, well, obviously we're gonna behave in ways that is just flat out strange. It's just bizarre. This is, this is what was happening to David. And then lastly, um, our motivation is messed up. Our motivation no longer is of the Lord. Our motivation is for self and we're trying to self-preserve and all this stuff. And so we see vision and wisdom and behavior and motivation. These things all get messed up all because fear is festering within our lives because our faith uh, has begun to falter. So fear began to take over David. This was leading to his decline. Faith faltering, fear festering, and then... The third indication that I am in spiritual decline is this, when my future begins to fade. When my future begins to fade. Look at chapter 22 now, verse one. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of, of Adullam. So I just want to track the story of David thus far through this, through this series, through this, this book here. Okay, so watch, watch this here. So David began in the shepherd's field and he was anointed king. From there, he is kind of skyrocketed to national fame. He's a national hero. He's in the palace. He's a servant of Saul, but again, anointed king. Then, not for his own fault, but things start to turn in a real tough place. He's starting to run for his life now. And now he's Israel's most wanted there. And then he ends up with Gath and he pretends he's a madman. And um, so now we're a long way from the shepherd's field and a long way from the palace. And then from there, he um, is let go. And then he is now in a cave and he's by himself. Um, in Adullam. It's really interesting to watch this and just to see when he gets down to this low point uh, right there. And I want you to imagine as David's sitting in that cave, what's he thinking? Um, is this now the loneliest moment of his life? I'm trying to imagine the despair he must have been feeling in that cave, probably very dark, very damp, by himself. I want you to see this. Notice the connection between spiritual decline and spiritual isolation. Okay, so when we're declining spiritually, uh, we are often isolated spiritually. I didn't say, uh, what a lot of people do is when they're declining spiritually, they find a group of friends that endorse their sin. So they run away from church, they run away from small group, they run away from any form of accountability, don't wanna talk to their parents, don't wanna talk to whoever it is. So they run to a group of friends, but that's, that's, not, that's not spiritual Um, positive, spiritual negative. So spiritual decline so often is associated with spiritual isolation because what the enemy, the enemy incessantly wants to isolate and exterminate, take you away from the house of God, the family of God, the bride of Christ to um, isolate you and then to pound you into oblivion. And I've seen this so many times over 12 years of ministry here at this church. Over and over and over again, Satan's attempt, get the person, start to drift out of a small group, drift out of the church, drift out of whatever community. And there they are, they're by themselves and they are sidetracked into a disaster. And this is of course what the enemy wants to do with David here as well. So as David sitting in the cave, I mean, what are the thoughts going through his mind? Is he like, how did I get here? What has happened to me My life is done. I'll never recover from this. There's no point of going on. See, it's here that our future begins to fade because fear is starting to take over. And we have to watch this and and notice this too. David's greatest battlefield is not with his physical sword. It's in his mind. The greatest battlefield is here. It's in our mind. And that's why the truth of God's word is oh so important. But here's what we also understand too. David got to the low place, okay? But a man or woman after God's own heart, they will find themselves in dark times. But a man or woman after God's own heart, they will not stay there. Because God is at work in their lives, they will even use this moment of great discouragement. God will create grace in that moment and lift them up to higher heights. So I like what Chuck Swindle said about this. He says, Just because you're in the cave doesn't mean that it's curtains. Just because you're in the cave doesn't mean you call it curtains. And maybe some of you are here right now and you find yourself in the cave and you are tremendously discouraged and you're fighting tremendous fear and you're there. I believe that if we let ourselves be broken and we let ourselves bottom out in the hands of God... I believe this can become some of our greatest moments of seeing God's grace work through our lives over and over and over again. When we are at our least, God will do his greatest work. And this this will be David's life again. God is wasting nothing here. Now, if we ended this message on chapter 22, verse one, I think that would be depressing, don't you? So, hey, faltering faith, festering fear, fading future. Good luck everyone. Let's pray, right? I think I think I think that would be depressing, right? So we're not going to do that, okay? This outline is done in terms of decline, but we have one more point, but now we're going to stop the the trail going down, and now we're going to start climbing up the mountain of God again by his grace and through faith in David's life. So we're done with the descension. Now we're going to see the ascension. So here is one indication of glorious ascension. Here's where everything stops and we now turn and start to go up by God's grace towards him again. We're battling fear. We're, we're, We're battling a crumbling faith. We're battling a fading future. And by the grace of God and the gospel of God, we turn the corner and we're set again with a vision for the Lord and we're now starting to see God work in our lives and propel our vision towards him. And here's here's the point then, it's this. I will see tremendous ascension in my life that is glorious when I know, very simple, very powerful, when I know that I'm a child of God. The moment I understand my identity is in Christ, when I know I'm a child of God, when I know I'm redeemed, when I know I've been saved, when I know the anointing oil has been poured upon my life and I rehearse the truths of the gospel, that is when fear is so battled against. That is when faith begins to be strengthened. But understand this, Satan and sin wants to keep you in the cave, wants to isolate you, wants to pummel you, wants to make you feel discouraged and fill you with darkness, Because Satan knows that the moment light shines upon your light, then you can see, and then you can find your way out by God's grace. Your sin, my sin, wants to keep us in the cave. And some of us right now, we're in the cave because our our sin and Satan has just got us there. And we're just so upset. And we're like, how did I get here? How do I get out? Well, if all we had with David's life here is 1 Samuel 21, that would not give us the full picture. But what God's word does, which is so amazing, God's word completes where David is at through specific psalms that David has written in the exact context of 1 Samuel 21 and verse 22. So what I want to do right now is I want to see how did David climb out of the cave. And for that, I want you to turn to Psalm 34. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is the exact context written in the exact context when David left Akish and then went away to the cave. Psalm 34. There's other Psalms too that are in the context of David in the cave. Psalm 56, Psalm 55, you can see those there as well. Now look at the introduction of Psalm 34. Okay, This is, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This this heading here was put there by God. This isn't added in by man, okay? It says of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, another name for Achish, so that he drove him out and he went away. So here we are. If we just had chapter 21, 22, we wouldn't be that encouraged. But now we start, whatever happened to David towards the cave in the cave, He started to come back to the man and the David we love and know. Verse one, I'm going to read a lot of these verses here. I just want you to see what David did to climb out of the cave. I will bless the Lord at all times. Even in the cave, David, he learned, especially in the cave. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. I will boast in the Lord. I will I will look to the Lord. I will not look upon my circumstances any longer. I will not see the javelins of Saul. Let the humble, let the humble hear and be glad. Listen to this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, verse three. Let us exalt his name together. So notice this, eyes not on self. Eyes are on the Lord. And not only that, magnify the Lord with me. So now his circumstances are being used to look upon the Lord, but now he's used as a multiplier of disciples and he's calling people to join him in his affection and worship of his God. Look at verse five. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. Their faces shall the honor of seeking the Lord. Look down at verse seven, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them, amen. Verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. David's on a roll here now. Taste and see. See, he has, that's a massive principle. When you've tasted in the past the Lord is good, you ultimately cannot settle for anything less. You must eventually return to the taste you have, which is all satisfying and eternally fill you with joy from the moment you were saved and will carry you on to glory. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. There it is again. His eyes are on the Lord. They're on the Lord, the fear of God. This is our answer. This is our answer when our faith is faltering. This is our answer when our fear is festering. This is our answer when our future is fading. Look at Verse 11. Come, old children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So now David is a teacher. He hasn't just gone from surviving. Now he's thriving in the sense. I want to teach you what I've learned through my hardship and my trials. I want to show you the path of glory. Brilliant. Look at verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Wait, do you know anything about lying, David? Oh yeah, right, you do. And look at him now. The conviction has been restored. He's like, I don't want to go back there again. I'm not going to lie anymore. Verse 14, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears towards their cry. David is living this out right now. Look at verse 18. The Lord is near. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, saves the crushed in spirit. How brokenhearted was David? And there he is, man. He's knowing the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted and the Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Praise the Lord, amen? amen. See what David's doing right there? Watch, in, in David's example, what is David doing? Eyes off of self, eyes off his of circumstances, eyes on the Lord, the praise of God. Really what he's doing too is rehearsing the gospel as we know it in the New Testament. He's got truth, loved ones. Truth is light. Light is life. Truth, light, life. And if you look at verse 22 again, this is the gospel. The Lord redeems the life of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him, in his son, Jesus Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. If we are in Christ, we belong to him. We cannot be condemned. To be redeemed by him is to be a child of him. To be a child of him means we cannot be condemned. What is happening here other than the gospel? There is no gospel apart from Jesus Christ. Loved ones, loved ones, love and listen, listen, listen. The fear of the Lord is our answering to our faltering faith, but the fear of the Lord is found in Jesus Christ. It starts with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer to our festering fear. Jesus is the answer to our fading future because Jesus guarantees the hope of, of glory. Jesus is the answer again. David was living this out, and now we are called to live this out when we are in spiritual decline. The stopping point, the power of this is to set our eyes upon him who causes our faces to be radiant. The glorious ascension begins as we rehearse and again live out the gospel And the ultimate message being sent to us today, when I know that I'm a child of God, at that point, the power of that gospel, it takes fear and it smashes it. It's the gospel that takes the fear of man and obliterates it. Because if I'm a child of God, if God is for me, who can be against me? You know, in Psalm 56, when David wrote this in the cave, he said something just like that. If God is for me, then what can man do to me? Oh, to know again that we are a child of God, saved by grace through faith.
1: Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today. Join us next time on Live in the Light.